Welcome to The Motivated Mind, where I challenge you to expand your perspective on how to achieve a successful life through motivational lessons, reflections, and interviews with other motivated minds. Welcome back to The Motivated Mind, a top 100 health podcast, thanks to each of you. This is episode 307, and I'm your host, Scott Lynch. Thanks so much for listening. If I brought you any value, please be sure to leave our view and hit that subscribe or follow button. Don't be a stranger. Shoot me a DM on Instagram or Facebook and let me know what you want to hear more of. And please be sure to share the podcast. You can learn all the skills in the world, math, business, writing, but the right mindset will always trump them all. It's a great unlock to all other skills. Success and happiness come down to one single component, and that's mindset. In order to achieve our goals in life, our mindset needs to match those aspirations. And this is exactly what I pack into my free weekly newsletter. As a free subscriber, you receive the Mastering Your Mindset newsletter once per week packed with actionable insights on how to master your mindset and optimize your happiness. If you haven't subscribed, but you enjoy the content I drop on this podcast, then you're missing out. Click the link in the show notes to subscribe for free to the Mastering Your Mindset newsletter. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for podcasters, I feel like it's allowed me to be more creative because I've been able to simplify the admin aspect of my podcast and focus on developing more valuable and creative content. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. Are you unhappy with where you're at in your life right now? Are things not quite going the way that you envisioned they would? If so, don't worry. You are not alone. From average everyday people to worldwide celebrities, every single person on this planet has experienced moments of disappointment and frustration as they navigate their lives. And often, it's avoidable. So, how can we rise from the ashes and stop ruining our lives? Number one, have a goal. We all need to figure out what we want from our lives. And I'm going to tell you a secret. A lot of the time, we already kind of know what we want with our lives. However, the issue 
is that many of us have this vague sentiment of what we want. For example, maybe you know that you want to have more money or want to have a girlfriend or want to pass school or to feel better physically. Many of us have these vague sentiments, but we haven't really sat down and sifted through these wants. We haven't figured out what things we are actually going to go after that are important to us. What things get us excited to wake up every morning. We don't really outline what kind of person we want to be specifically. We struggle to ask ourselves the critical questions that help us unravel these complex needs. Like asking ourselves, how do I ideally want to spend my time? How do I want to feel on a day-to-day basis? What kind of relationships do I want to have? All of these things are so critical for us to outline specifically. Because if we don't, it means we don't really have an aim. It means that we hold on to these vague ideas, things that we kind of want, things that would be nice, but we have absolutely no specific goals and absolutely no specific steps to get there. And without that aim, we are by definition aimless. This means that we float through life like a damn balloon. We are at the mercy of the wind and the weather. No control, no destination, no intentional direction. Many of us are just balloons. We need goals to strive towards. And it's in that striving that we find meaning. We find internal fulfillment, which is a blind search many of us are on when spending time mindlessly consuming or stumbling through life, hoping to arrive at some breakthrough moment. What we're really searching for is this feeling of resolution, this feeling like we are where we're supposed to be. And the only way to find that is by being on our path. And we don't know what the path looks like if we don't have a goal. So spend some time sitting down, with a pen and paper, and figure out in detail what you want your life to look like one month from now, one year from now, and five years from now. Number two, step out of your cave. One of the easiest ways by far to descend into despair is to spend all of our time inside in front of our screens, getting sucked into endless algorithms, being force-fed topics that we are growing tired of. It's this constant torture, an endless loop every single day. We watch the same videos and we think the same thoughts. Now, if we want to break this cycle, we need to step outside of our cave. We need to be a person in the world. We need to stop being a number within some platform's data set. We need to stop spending so much time isolating ourselves. We need to stop spending so much time paralyzed and frozen in front of our screens globally. People average 6 hours, 58 minutes of screen time per 
day. And what's worse, daily screen time has increased by nearly 50 minutes per day since 2013. This is not good for our mental health. Regulation of screen time is vital to progressive mental health stability and recovery. So, emerge from your cave as much as possible. Let people know your name. Get to know people. Shake new hands. Try new things. Experiment and explore. Seek new experiences. Have people know you by being a person in the world. We stop being so closed in on ourselves. When we remain in our cave, we become this foreign creature. Our soul becomes this black hole, one that requires entertainment and people to validate us. We almost draw the world in towards ourselves rather than being out in the world radiating an abundance of giving. When we spend so much time in isolation, we become so self-conscious that every other external input is trying to fill this void that exists within us. Let's stop this void from forming. Let's stop it from growing any bigger. Get outside. Go engage with others. Stop spending all of your time in your little cave as much as you are capable of doing. Go be a person in the world. Number three, take risks. Life is inherently risky. For example, by simply being alive, we risk dying. By crossing the street, we risk getting hit by a bus. There are so many things that could go wrong and probably will go wrong in our life. But a lot of these things are completely out of our control. We can't escape bad things from happening to us. And if this is the case, it means at multiple junctures within our lives, we will experience pain. So why not feel the pain of trying and failing rather than the pain of apathy and despair and neglect? Now, this doesn't mean that we go out and spend all of our money on the latest crypto thing and hope to get rich. No, it means we start off small such as striking up a conversation with a person in the elevator or the grocery checkout line. Now, sure, we might risk being perceived as a sort of a weird person, but this is a great example of a risk that is worth taking. Because even if we are seen as a weirdo, being met with, uh, why are you talking to me? That rejection the one we voluntarily subject ourselves to, the one where we are aware that rejection could happen, but we do it anyway. That is empowering. And that's the thing about risk. We are aware of the negative downsides, but we make a calculated decision to go for it anyway. When that downside happens, we at least respect ourselves for trying. And as we take more risks in life, as we step outside of our comfort zone, something remarkable happens. We start to get better at evaluating risk. We start to develop resilience. 
We start to develop a bounce back nature. So remind yourself of two things. It is never too late to start taking more risks. And by failing to take risks and not getting comfortable with risk, that's risky in itself. In fact, it's worse than risky because not only do we risk not getting what we eventually want in life, we pretty much guarantee it. So stop sitting at the shore, living in fear of that next big wave that might get all of your clothes wet. Learn to surf and expect to be bad at it at the start. But with more repetition, you're bound to get better. Number four, get out of your head. Let's assume that you followed step one and that you developed a clear vision of what you want with your life. You've defined the things you typically want to do each day. Then you've already done a fair amount of thinking. So often in our lives, we think that we need to think things through in order to do something. We need to plan and speculate about every decision and angle. However, for almost 99% of things, we really do not. And I'll give you an example. Let's say you're thinking about getting back to the gym. So you start feeling a little inspired. So you start watching some workout videos. Maybe Steve lost 150 pounds and now looks like The Rock. And you think to yourself, hell yeah, I can do that. So you start looking up new workout clothes to buy. You decide to sign up for some fitness influencers program. You walk into GNC like you own the place and buy out half the store. I'm going to shock your system like I clean pools for a living. You don't need to do this much thinking and overcomplicate it. Just go to the gym. Do whatever that thing is before you can even think about it. Because as soon as we start thinking about it, we know what's next. We become a black belt at finding a way to weasel out of it. Even if the rationale is fairly cohesive, the result is that we don't end up doing it. So many things in our lives are exactly like this. We need to become efficient at just putting one foot in front of the other and just doing the thing. Number five, produce. We should always produce more than we consume. And in this highly consumerist culture, this is very challenging. So many of us live life passively. We live life on our heels, willingly hypnotizing ourselves with whatever content it is displayed in front of us. When we open Spotify or Apple, maybe it's this episode. Maybe you've been incessantly listening to self-improvement content. Navigate away from this episode. You don't need this episode. Come back to it later. Go do the thing that you're supposed to do. Go produce. Stop over-consuming content. I'm literally going to screw myself with the Spotify and Apple algorithm gods because I authentically mean it. Go do something that's more important. Life feels so much more exciting when we are creating more than we're consuming. 
If you like listening to podcasts, learn to make them. If you like scrolling Instagram photos, learn to take them. The satisfaction that we're looking for when we're doom scrolling is actually the feeling of creation. It's being in a flow state, feeling like we are where we're supposed to be, like we're doing something significant, feeling as if we're putting something out into the world. So always try to produce at least as much as you consume, preferably more. Number six, welcome feedback. Don't just surround yourself with people who think exactly like you think. Don't just continually engage with three or four people that have the same exact opinions about everything as you. This is how too many of us live. Sure, it's important to have an inner circle. And a lot of the time, our inner circle will think a lot like we think. However, it's critical that we surround ourselves with people who challenge us, who hold us to a higher standard. These are individuals that are able to assist us when we stray off path. And I'll be honest, a lot of the time, that won't be very comfortable. It's an uppercut to the ego. But we should seek out individuals that want to see the best version of us not individuals that want us to be comfortable all the time. Number seven, be vulnerable. By being vulnerable, I mean not being afraid to be emotionally vulnerable, being emotionally honest to our inner circle, to the people who are holding us to a higher standard. Now, what does this mean and what's the utility of this? Well, let's look at the alternative. The alternative is to be secretive, to have things that we're ashamed of, that we never tell anybody. We stuff it down. We pretend it doesn't exist. And here's the danger. A lot of the time when we have bad habits, they tend to blossom in the shadows. They start to weigh on us far more than they probably should. When we fail, to expose our flaws and our mistakes. When we're not emotionally vulnerable and honest, it means no one really knows who we are authentically. We conceal a part of ourselves from the world. So reflect on your life. Where do you want to be more courageous and vulnerable? What truths do you want to share? What do you want to heal? Remember, our darker side thrives in secrecy. Don't be afraid to confide in somebody that you trust. Because in doing so, a weight comes off of our shoulders. We start to live life with more freedom to pursue the higher version of ourselves. Number eight, embrace conflict. This one's probably the hardest one to do. And speaking of vulnerability, it's the one that I struggle with the most. Now, the alternative to this is to run from conflict. It's critical. If we have a problem with something, we communicate it. Otherwise, we become a doormat. 
If someone wrongs us, does something to hurt us, does something out of line that we don't appreciate, we shouldn't think, oh no, it's okay, because if it's not okay, it's not okay. By doing this, we look weaker, which means that individual is more likely to take advantage of us in the future, walking over us like a doormat. Now, what's far worse than this is that if we allow this behavior, it also means that we don't respect ourselves as much. We tell ourselves, I just let people walk all over me because I don't want to deal with conflict or discomfort. This severely disrupts our balance in life because it means that we lack a spine. And if we've gotten in the habit of allowing this behavior over the years, we almost need to re-earn our spine. And that's tough. It's really tough. However, it's extremely important because it goes along with honesty. So speak the truth. If you don't like something, speak up. Say that you don't like it. Be willing to risk people perceiving you as mildly unpleasant in the moment in order to gain respect. And not just from the people around you, but respect for yourself. Number nine, be optimistic. I believe optimism gets a bad rap because most people view those that are optimistic as those that have a distorted view of the world and reality. They think, wow, this optimistic individual doesn't realize how much suffering is happening around the world. They just think life is sunshine and rainbows. Now, unless I have a different definition of what optimism is, optimism is the opposite of pessimism. And pessimism is where we look at any situation and we find a negative in it. We've all heard the saying, the glass is always half empty. If we're a pessimist, we compulsively put a negative spin on things. We have a habit of looking at anything good or neutral or bad and finding the fault in it. And while that might be true, because the fabric of our reality is inherently tainted in a lot of ways, suffering is a part of life. Everyone's aware of that. But Why would we add to the suffering by being compulsively negative, by finding ways to complain or bitching about all the things that we have to do? When we are compulsively negative, we cut ourselves off at the knees before we can get going. If we have a tendency to compulsively look for the negative in everything, we add to the net suffering of our lives. It doesn't improve our life to be overly negative. Seek to find the good in everything rather than the negative. That's what being an optimist is all about. It's not being blind to the negative aspects of the reality around us. It's choosing to focus on what's good. There's a reason why gratitude journals have been shown to cure a lot of clinical anxiety and insomnia. It's because people focus on the positive aspects of their lives. They focus on the things that they're grateful for. They're fostering internal peace. 
the practicing the art of habitually seeing the positive aspects of things. Now, if you're really good at being a pessimist, it's really difficult to actually recognize when you're doing it because you do it so compulsively that it's really hard to recognize most of the time. It might be challenging to remain optimistic in times of trial. However, it is deeply meaningful and satisfying to try and be that person. So try to recognize all the little ways that you're being negative about yourself, being negative about your capabilities, about your future, about your past or your present. Be mindful of the stories you tell yourself, about the world around you, about your own life. The world isn't a very encouraging place. And the last person that should be robbing you of encouragement is yourself. This week's shout out is by Lauren who sent me a DM on Instagram. I've recently graduated nursing school and have been preparing to take my boards and fulfill my dream of becoming a registered nurse. Your podcast was incorporated into my study routine, giving me motivation each week to keep going when I face self-doubt or felt sluggish in my efforts. I quickly found that these lessons shared were far beyond helping me accomplish this goal, but will continue to be a wonderful resource as I start my career in nursing. We know many in the healthcare field face burnout. And we also know how daunting it can feel to be a new graduate nurse among experts in the field. Your lessons will be imperative reminders and will allow me to be the best version of myself to both my patients and the loved ones I come home to after a long shift. Thank you, Scott. Oh, and I found out today I pass. Lauren, congrats. And to all of you that work in the health field, thank you for all that you do. For an opportunity to be next week's shout out, please leave an honest review on the podcast. Send me a DM on Facebook or Instagram. Who knows? You just might be the next shout out. Thanks for listening to The Motivated Mind with your host, Scott Lynch. I hope you enjoyed my deep dive into nine ways to stop ruining your life. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Motivated Scott. Don't forget to join me every Monday and Thursday for new episodes. I love you all, and thanks so much for listening. The Motivated Mind is a legacy division.